contrary to what most of us would believe, we don't actually act on what we can do as much as on what we think we can do. Hi, hope you're well. This is PD at the Art of Self-Development. This podcast is for everyone who's interested in psychology and who wants to develop the most useful people and life skills for yourself and for the people around you. This is another one of those success-oriented episodes that will deal with the inner game, so to speak. The mindsets that we have that help us achieve success or prevent us from having it. Because there are many people who have all the skills that they need, all the talents, who never tap into those or even find creative ways of putting themselves down. So one of the first responsibilities that you and I have is to not have that happen. You always want to create the best environment, both outside and inside of you, to support your creativity, your growth, and achieving the goals that are really worthwhile for you. All of these things can be put under the concept of self-efficacy which is a close relative to self-esteem, a part of it, actually. Self-efficacy is the belief that you can succeed in different situations. It is related to confidence. Now, self-efficacy, in order to be healthy, needs to be based on real skills and on development of skills, and not just on the illusion that you can do anything you want. Because you really can't, at least not at any and every given point. Because you need to build some skills first, when it comes to most situations. This is why it is not a very wise idea to just use affirmations, as some people would have you believe. If you just tell yourself that you're good at something you're not objectively good at, you will not get anywhere. But if you work step by step, on changing a less-than-useful mindset in concert with doing the steps in the real world to achieve the skills that will give you the confidence, the self-efficacy, that life-changing belief that you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it and decide to get better at it no matter what it takes. Self-efficacy can be defined as how we think, how we behave, and how we feel. Because these are the three components of our experience in a given situation. How we think, how we behave, and how we feel about our abilities in a given situation. Or about the place that we find ourselves in. Your level of self-efficacy will determine what goals you will choose for yourself and how far you get in dealing with challenges and how you see challenges to begin with. How we think will matter for determining our goals. How we behave will translate into how we go about achieving what we want and how we feel about what we do and what we try to achieve. The reflection 
either voluntary or involuntary, will make us more confident the next time around, or less so. People who have stronger self-efficacy find it easier to define their goals. Their goals will be bigger, more worthwhile, because they are not afraid to define them. Their self-esteem is not put at risk if they don't succeed or not succeed at first. With stronger self-efficacy, you will be more committed to the goal. And the journey to get there will be seen as a challenge rather than as a problem. Because if your self-esteem is low, a small problem can be big. And if your self-esteem is attached to beating the problem, then not succeeding can be very scary. But if you focus instead on getting better, on improving, on learning from challenges, your self-efficacy will skyrocket, as will your successes in life. Self-efficacy is partially defined from the get-go. Part of it, I'm sure, is genes. And I'm not sure if there is a percentage that we can scientifically get to. It's the question of nature or nurture. Part of it is inborn. A lot of it has to do with the way you were brought up, especially during your early childhood. There are several sources that typically determine where you're at. One of them, probably the biggest one and the easier to work with when done right, is success or mastering different kinds of situations or experiences. Another one is social modeling. Yet another is persuasion. And then we have internal responses. Success or mastering particular situations for yourself is the most important one because it's the most real. It is not taken over from another person. And it's a real-world evidence that you can do something. Social modeling is a little bit trickier because we don't have power over what we got in our childhood. And this had to do with the people who were the closest to us that we saw in the first years of our lives, especially. Babies are born students. Small babies are very good at learning. And they will learn about what adults do and copy it as a shortcut to learning to deal with situations, because that way we don't have to do everything on our own. Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that we take over, especially if we grow up in less than ideal circumstance, can be counterproductive. So if your parents or friends or peers were not that self-efficacious, confident, if they didn't have good self-esteem, you took some of it over. The good thing about social modeling is you can change it. You can change what you take over consciously and you can kind of change the social environment that you're in. And again, this is not always easy, especially if this concerns your whole family. But you can always limit the influence of some people and highlight or increase the influence of those who are good role models. 
who will naturally help you to see things in a different way, have different ideas about life, about relationships, about work, about career. The next thing would be persuasion. This is what other people tell you and what you tell yourself. Because we persuade ourselves all the time. If you tell yourself when you're dealing with a challenge, you can do this. You're persuading yourself. In a healthy way, for the most part. If you're telling yourself you can do this, you're not good enough. Forget it. You're no good. Again, you're persuading yourself. Not in a good way, but persuading nonetheless. The last thing is the internal responses that we have. That is the feelings that we associate with challenging situations or just the idea of being challenged. So I wanted to break this down a little bit into these four compartments, into these four parts and give you a few tips on how to change all of these. Making friends and socializing, being around people who are successful, who believe in themselves, is one big thing that you can do. When it comes to succeeding, creating those mastering experiences, there are some things that you can do too. As in, you can make goals that you want to achieve smaller, therefore easier to achieve. This is why I recommend chunking your goals. Because if you break a big goal into a lot of small parts, you can achieve a lot more. You can get the experience and the good feelings connected with it of achieving much more often. And this is the way you should do it. It's not helpful to think of one huge goal and then beat yourself up about not having achieved it yet. So chunk it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the journey. It is meant to be enjoyed, not dreaded. Think about how you persuade yourself, too. Affirmations are good, but they need to take the right form, in that, rather than tell yourself that something is true that you know not to be true, it is more useful to think about the successes that you have had so far. And then you can project from that into the future, and what you can do to be even more successful. That way you will make the most natural transition from the good in the past to creating the best in the future. As you do any or all of these things, you will notice how your perspective changes, how problems will turn into challenges. Something you may have dreaded in the past will become something to look forward to and be excited about. Your locus of control may change. When we're children, typically it lies outside because things happen to us. We don't have a lot of agency. But as we grow as more mature individuals, your locus of control should move much more inward, where you realize the effect that you have on your life on your environment and the power you have to change and mold your life the way you see fit. So as you do all of these things, this shift will happen where you will not need or even want to stay in the comfort zone because the comfort zone is boring. 
We only stay there if we are afraid of failing at something. If failure no longer presents a problem because you know you can always learn something from it, to be used to do better, you'll want to get out of your comfort zone into the, let's call it, stretch zone, where you're not quite uncomfortable, it's not that new, but again, you have enough novelty to be curious about things, to explore, to do new things. This is where you want to be most of the time, which may take a little bit of effort and kind of questioning your motives, your past, your limitations that you have created in the past when you needed them, and transform all of it to create the path of success that is just the right for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Art of Self-Development. Remember that learning is a change of behavior. Any positive change you make and keep has a cumulative effect that'll make your life even better. If you found anything useful or interesting in this episode, please share it with your friends. You can reach me at pdartofsd at gmail.com. Talk to you again soon. In the meantime, leave the world better than you found it.